1: Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the roto NFL podcast, sponsored by Yahoo DFS. This is the first September edition of the Tuesday podcast, our first waiver wire edition. We'll be doing this every week moving forward on Tuesdays, breaking down the top owns, uh, guys you might want to pick up, and certainly different percentage of uh, ownage guys that you, you want to have out there that are lower than 50%. And Jake, I'll kind of let you swing around on on sort of what we're supposed to be doing with here with this style. And uh, you've been doing this for a while now, so I, mm-hmm. I, you have a little bit more experience when it comes to the Free Agent Pickup podcast than I might.
2: Yeah, I lose track a little bit. I've been doing this for three, four, five years, even maybe. You may remember me, uh, old listeners from uh, last year with John Halpin or with Eric Katuri. They've just uh, done a lot of waiver wire shows over the last couple of years, so definitely wanted to come back. Um, it, it's the whole July and August stuff that was new to me this year, so I'm glad we got through that here, Joe. But anyway, uh, as with season, approaches here. We're going to do a rundown on this podcast about the different types of recommendations by position. So we're going to talk about fab recommendations. Of course, if you don't use first come, first serve, or if you don't use a waiver claim system, you use a fab budget, uh, which is usually a hundred dollars. Sometimes I've seen 200 and uh, it's like an auction every week for waivers. And then once you lose the money, you don't have the money anymore. That's my personal favorite way to do it. And I think it's uh, the best way and the growing way to do it, the, the fairest way at the very least. So we'll discuss uh, a fab bid in some situations. We're also going to be using Yahoo ownership percentage because they are, of course, Our title sponsors. Um, We're going to try to feature guys that are under fifty percent owned in Yahoo formats, but even looking for this show, there's a lot of guys that are barely under fifty percent owned that should be owned across the board, and uh, that list gets pretty big. And we understand if you get into a twelve-team league where people start to know what they're doing, um, it it gets to be uh, to the point where where those guys uh, are obviously scooped up so we're gonna to try to hit all the different kinds of leagues eight to ten team leagues two quarterback leagues 16 plus team leagues we'll hit all the uh the deep dart throws and everything else for you um we're gonna normally ignore kickers and defenses because they should probably be eliminated from fantasy but you know in in the past we've done a little uh, dome kicker rundown here in the winter months because that starts to make a sense of streaming kickers that way or if we have a really light show we can maybe throw out some defense streaming candidates here but uh That's the show pretty much that you're going to be hearing here for the rest of the NFL season. And uh, with that, I think we can move on to some Thursday news.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be tossing out some defenses, though, streaming-wise that I might pick up each and every week. Because I I tend to do that often, the roulette style. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll also probably break down some NFFC um, free agent spending-wise, at least, because I know the budget is higher and how that kind of goes, but it should sort sure of stick in line with the 100 or $200 budget mm-hmm. that a lot of people are having for fab. So yeah.
2: I suppose we can throw some streaming defense out there. There is an awesome article uh, for streaming defense owners on com that uh, you'll want to check out closer to the start of the regular season. You can go to rotowire.com slash pod for a t- 10-day trial. We'll refer to some of the other ones. This is kind of a compliment piece to Kevin Payne's waiver wire article, but we can talk about a lot more in an hour than he can in a certain amount of words. So uh, we'll we'll hook you up on all ways. There's a lot of these useful tools, though, are on rotowire.com. I'll refer to our weekly rankings probably on the website. I'll refer to our rest-of-season rankings. All of that can be found on the website.
1: Yeah, let's go to the Tuesday news, though. We had uh, Chris List and Jeff Erickson on Monday talk about really the – I think it was an expansive cutdown day on mm-hmm. Saturday with all the different trades that went on and all the different Texans trades in particular that went on. Van Clowney, Kenny Stills, Carlos Hyde, all getting moved. They highlighted most of that stuff. So we're going to try to at least not touch on a lot of it. LaShawn McCoy, I almost feel like we have to because there was some news that came mm-hmm. out Tuesday as regards to his stats for Sunday's game. Let's start first with, I think, sad news for me and my 100% owned trade of Ronald Jones. Peyton Barber is favored to be the week one starter for the Buccaneers running back position right now. What that means and how often they split time, I think, is still up for debate. And frankly, I was hoping Ronald Jones would have won this competition outright. That does not seem to be the case. So what Peyton Barble, Ronald Jones, and even Dare Gumuwale end up mm-hmm. doing as a trio is – probably something we're going to have to analyze come week two and week three.
2: Yeah, this is something that we're going to have to stay on top of pretty much constantly because I think this Tampa Bay offense is going to be good under Bruce Arians. I think they're going to score a lot of points. They're going to have to put up a lot of points because they don't see the defense being particularly good. And whoever takes the reins at running back will absolutely be worth owning in, in a bunch of different fantasy formats. It's interesting to me looking at Peyton Barber's game log last year. He never carried the ball more than 20 times in a game, but he had double digit carries in all but two. So he's experienced and, and he's there, whereas Ronald Jones you know wasn't much of a factor was on the inactive list even a few weeks here so uh this is interesting but it doesn't necessarily change my Peyton Barber uh week one ranking for example I mean I still think of him in a similar light as I did before mostly because we could see some kind of time And Arians has mentioned the whole hot hand approach here uh so if Ronald Jones gets going there's a chance that Ronald Jones could start uh uh You know, taking over. That could happen as early as week one. It wouldn't surprise me. Right now, we at RotoWire have Peyton Barber ranked as our number 30 overall back, so that means in a 12-team league, he's not even necessarily a guaranteed starter. He's maybe a flex option for me. I'd prefer, you know, if you're a Peyton Barber owner, i probably prefer to just leave him on my bench and see how the situation plays out. San Francisco, the matchup's alright, but, um, you know, actually, it's really tough to gauge matchups, period, this early in the year, but uh, the matchup's okay, so there's nothing that screams a must-start here, and then, of course, you've got the Daria Agumba wale whom we might talk about later, Andre Ellington, um, all those guys have the potential to be involved, which just further complicates, complicates the situation.
1: Yeah, I thought the draft pedigree for Jones being a second-round pick last season would have made him the standout for Bruce Arians. I didn't trust Dirk Cutter's um, head coaching abilities or really identifying talent whatsoever, so it wasn't surprised to me that he wasn't playing much last year, but I mm-hmm. thought Bruce Arians, and given what we've seen with the running back position when he is head coach, I thought he would have picked the better talent. And if, if we haven't decided that Ronald Jones is a better talent than Peyton Barber at this point, I'm not sure when we ever will. So I, I agree with you. I think Peyton Barber probably is a flex play. And frankly, I've been grabbing him with um, Ronald Jones shares before in drafts. And Would and you just have Ronald
2: to- Jones in a 10-team league? Would I cut him? No, no. I think I'm too in a much. Ten teamer though. We're starting to get. I know.
1: It, I guess it depends on how deep the the rosters are. Like if it's sixteen or eighteen. If it's sixteen, mm-hmm. then probably I would cut Ronald Jones. But we just had a draft yesterday that I did, and I'm picking up Ronald Jones on waivers now. I forgot mm-hmm. the draft. Was I drafted on. him
2: last night as my last running back yeah. in a twelve team. I, I don't. I don't Full mind PPR. It. So.
1: I don't mind going that direction and I think again the, the better talent has to win out but I would have thought it would have happened in the preseason it, it, and
2: we said this all season last yeah. year the better talent wins out the better talent wins out well he didn't really have any kind of a meaningful workload until week 13 and so I was blaming that maybe on Dirk something Cutter. else is going on there yeah, yeah I know it was easy to and, blame it on Dirk and now I and, can't
1: so I don't, yeah. I don't know what to think mm-hmm. about and I, I guess I'm just going to have both Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones mm-hmm. in my roster and it's going to be similar to what JGI was from last year. I was I've got a lot of Chris Carson,
2: and, Rashad Penny combos that I've been getting. Over. I figured I'm just going to buy the backfield over the last couple of days. At least, that's at least a, this one's a cheaper backfield, you know? Yeah,
1: but that's a better backfield, the Carson Fair. Penny one, whereas I don't know what you're necessarily getting out of Peyton Barber, Barber and Ronald Jones. This might change by the time you're listening to this podcast. It feels like hour to hour. The Ezekiel Elliott watch at this point is probably a better watch than the hurricane that's going on in Florida. But, there's possibility that Ezekiel Elliott is going to be signing a contract in the next 24 hours. If that happens, he's then going to be eligible to play at least by the Cowboys standards for their Sunday contest. If that doesn't happen though, if Ezekiel Elliott doesn't sign, I'm not sure if Wednesday or Thursday or whatever else really makes a difference, but the Cowboys seem to think it does. Tony Pollard's the guy that starts. If Elliott doesn't sign his contract, at least for week one, I think he's a pretty solid matchup. In DFS terms, he's going to be a fantastic home. But mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on Tony Pollard and the Zeke Elliott situation, given all the movement we've seen in the last mm-hmm. really 48 to seventy? 70- Two hours.
2: So, to explain the context of the show, this is a situation we'd probably cover in the new section as opposed to the waiver wire section because the book's been out on Tony Pollard being the backup for quite some time. He's 72% owned in Yahoo format, so he wouldn't exactly fit into our free agency discussion. Of course, if you're in one of those 28% uh, of leagues and maybe had a running back get hurt, maybe you drafted Lamar Miller as an RB2. I don't know. There's situations. Obviously, you want to go ahead and pick Tony Pollard up, but it looks like Ezekiel Elliott is flying back to Dallas. They've been on the final stages of a contract extension for days. Does that necessarily mean Ezekiel Elliott will be ready for week one? Nope, but I assume that he'll be good enough to be ready in week two. He's been staying in shape in Cabo, apparently, working out with – various NFL alumni to stay in game shape. And obviously it's an entire system that he's very familiar with. And he's 24 years old. There's all sorts of good things. But for now, we have Tony Pollard ranked as the number 18 running back overall in uh, the week one rankings. So, you know, that's an interesting ranking for me. That's basically RB2 status against the Giants defense that we don't necessarily expect to be very good.
1: No, and I think also situation in that game matters too, right? You expect the Cowboys to be ahead and frankly, probably ahead by a lot even mm-hmm. into the second half and if that's the case you're getting junk time carries for Tony Pollard he could see 20-25 touches against a bad defense in a game where they're already running ahead with it I, I like him a lot and I think 18 probably is a little bit lower than I would but that's mm-hmm. I I, th- I wonder if that 18 ranking is baking in the baking in the Ezekiel it might come mm-hmm. might play price like if yeah. if we know Elliott's not on there he probably becomes a top 12 running back overall yeah
2: hey producers fill the chalkboard soundbite in here because yeah Tony Pollard at least the week, week one DFS chalk for yes sure.
1: yeah for sure
2: I gotta remember to adjust my lineups for Sure.
1: Absolutely. Now, I'm curious what you think about Darius Geis. We had a comment earlier on Tuesday saying that uh, this is coming from head coach Jay Gruden that um, we feel Geis can be a first, second, and even third third down back if necessary. That's an intriguing part that lasts, that he could be a third down back. We knew that Geis, if he was healthy, was going to be the guy that gets the carries to begin with, right? First, second down, totally makes sense. But him being a pass catcher with Adrian Peterson around, who isn't known as a pass catcher, but at least a quality running back, and Chris Thompson, who is known as the third down specialist in particular, is interesting that they could be use, utilizing him to that extent. What, what's your take on Darius Geis? Do you have a lot of shares of him at all, or if you're more interested
2: with this report? I've been just missing Darius guys. And it's not because I don't like him, but I've really heated up my draft participation over these last couple of days, and I'm always finding myself going heavier on running back earlier and then kind of missing the tier that Geis is in and then taking a couple of flyers. So it just, it's just been a flow thing. It's, it's not because I, I dislike him necessarily. Uh, and the rest of that quote is very interesting too, Joe. The offense carry-wise will probably go through him pretty much. So, um, thanks, Jay. Yeah, Pre- appreciate yeah. that. Nice really work, f- Jay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've still seen Adrian Peterson go in late rounds of plenty of my drafts because he's a name that people know. I think that's. Going to be trending towards a wasted pick at this point. Um, So, I mean, Darius Guy seems to be the guy to own. I just don't, I'm afraid that the team's not going to be very good and he's not going to see a lot of positive game flow situations. Um, But I guess we'll wait and see. I mean, if he is as explosive as he was considered to be, um, you know, coming out of college, you know, he's coming off that ACL injury. So, part of me kind of feels like it'll be like a Delvin Cook last year type situation where he'll be good in spurts. He might not play 16 games. And then the year afterwards, he's got the year of game experience under his belt he's got the year to build confidence in his knee. then maybe next year he could be more of a breakout candidate than this year and our weekly rankings sort of reflect that we have Geis at 33 and he plays a Philadelphia defense that we we have ranked in our top 10 at Rotowire and I think um so Geis
1: is below Peyton Barber
2: uh, according to these wow. week one rankings, yes, okay. mm-hmm.
1: that, and that's that's aggressive for me. Mm-hmm. And again, I, maybe it's just some really low on Peyton Barber and his talent, but I think Geis is pretty good. And I, I'm afraid that the Redskins' offense is going to be similar to what I think the Dolphins' offense is going to be, which is complete and utter trash. But mm-hmm. you're not going to want to use anybody from those teams. And I, I get it. If he's mm-hmm. getting three-down work, if he's getting 20, 25 touches or carries or whatever else you want to call it, then it makes more sense. But yeah. that's just a bad offense. Mm-hmm. I, Case Keaton
2: barely has value in a two-quarterback league. Yeah. Haskins is dynasty only. There's not a single receiver I see on this depth chart I want to own. Jordan Reed had another concussion already. The only intriguing part is a backfield, but it's a backfield on a bad team. Yeah. Uh, so I do, I do think that Geis will be a player to target, but for me mostly in 2020 drafts, I guess. And maybe that's why I subconsciously don't have many shares.
1: LaShawn McCoy is likely going to be in uniform Sunday. That moves the needle for me absolutely zero, but I've seen a lot of people get up in, the, up in arms, but oh my God, now I need to go get LaShawn McCoy. And I don't understand if those people are also ones who hated Damian Williams. I know you were not high in Damian Williams. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that in plenty of podcasts before. So what's your take on LaShawn McCoy, Darwin Thompson? Are you getting a backup field share of the Casey um, running backs right now?
2: No, there was a period where I was shooting for Darwin Thompson and maybe rounds 12 through 14 in best balls, but obviously that is all gone and his best ball season starts to come to a close here that's no longer an area of intrigue for me darwin thompson went i believe undrafted or one of the very last picks in the 12 team draft i did last night um however it doesn't change my value my my outlook necessarily on Damian williams i had tempered my expectations anyway to where i wouldn't be taking him until maybe the fourth or fifth round obviously he never got there to Mm -hmm. me and i ended up with zero Damian williams shares across you know every league i did this year and when i saw the LaShawn mccoy signing i was like oh Hey, I guess that works for me. Uh, That one worked out. But uh, I don't expect Sean McCoy to cut into everything immediately, but I do expect it to happen.
1: See, I wouldn't be surprised if Damian Williams now does fall to rounds four or five at this point if you were to be Mm. drafting late. And I actually have two drafts yet to go, so we'll we'll get to see firsthand if that's Mm -hmm. the case. I'm not worried in the slightest. Mm -hmm. Absolutely zero concerns about – old, decrepit Lashawn McCoy and his 3.2 yards per carry as the sole focal point of the Bills' offense last year. I care absolutely zero about his influence with Andy Reid. Yeah, like I think Andy Reid will figure it, it out, all. but
2: the usage is going to be variable and sometimes limited. I so. just,
1: I, like, sure, give me more depreciate Damien Williams prices. And if Williams gets hurt, I still don't think it's McCoy that gets the mm-hmm. majority of the carries. I think it ends up being a, a committee where we get Daryl Williams, we, we, get, we do get McCoy, and we also get Darwin Thompson factored in. I'm not worried whatsoever mm-hmm. about that signing. And to me, me, that's a wasted draft pick. If you're going after McCoy in rounds ten or above, like that's just you're, you're smirking over here because we have a completely different yeah. viewpoint. I but mean, I, just, I, I
2: think there's some value there, and I still don't want Damian Williams, but uh, I, I wouldn't quite call it a wasted draft pick. But you do have to temper expectations. I think that's hopefully where we can meet in the middle.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, my expectations have been completely tempered. Ranking.
2: his week run rankings thirty-eight. I mean, they do have they're at Jacksonville, which isn't a great. That's a tough one. It's yeah. not a great matchup already. Plus, you have no idea about the roles. You'd have to be in about a twenty teamer to really consider throwing. Him I don't think you
1: can judge McCoy and what his fantasy impact will be off a of week one. Anyway, I think he's going to have to get situated. Then the, I'm the, uh, sorry, the chiefs have to figure out what they want to do with him before mm-hmm. we can really say for certain, anything. So five touches a game five to ten touches he probably gets more than that i don't think he gets that in week one and that's uh, people are gonna go like overreact the other way oh man he only got involved twice well he just joined the team three days ago i don't know what you can really expect but Mm -hmm. we're gonna get to the meat of the show in just a little bit before we do that though, let's get a word from our sponsors yahoo dfs yahoo has officially released their week one daily fantasy contest they have one million dollar contest for week one with no management fee and a hundred thousand dollars to first place meaning more money goes back to you the players there's a 10 entry max and you're not going to be playing against people with 150 lineups like on other sites Yahoo's a hundred thousand dollar guaranteed contest so there's a lots of prizes out there for week one And if you're just getting started with daily fantasy join the free to enter yahoo cup and play all season long 150 thousand dollars in weekly and season long prizes are available if you can get a perfect lineup you win one million dollars get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy Let's touch on the quarterbacks first, start out with that. I think it's probably pretty easy to, uh, discussion, especially when we're trying to keep under the 50% ownage threshold that you had kind of talked about exactly. at the beginning of the podcast. There's a few people that I'm interested in, um, namely guys like Josh Allen, Derek Carr, Sam Darnold, Matthew Stafford, all in that 25 to 34% ownage rate. Mm-hmm. Most of these guys, unless you're in a 2QB league, you're probably not targeting anyway. But is there maybe a streaming option that you like of those four mm-hmm. guys that I mentioned?
2: Yeah, exactly. So uh, this is a section of the podcast where we're going to try to talk about good streams. And then we're going to try to talk about players whose situations change and might actually be worth rostering the rest of the season based on uh, based on what your league format looks like. Uh, so the big news over the... Um, over the off season, or basically happened in the middle or late in draft season, was obviously the Andrew Luck injury. We'll cover that in a sec. But as far as Week 1 streamers, we've got Josh Allen, 34% owned, at the Jets. Derek Carr, home against the Broncos. Sam Darnold, home against the Bills. Matthew Stafford at Arizona. And Nick Foles versus the Chiefs. Um I mean, if I had to pick from that group alone, I'd pick Josh Allen, mostly because I drafted him um, as a QB2 in a lot of leagues, definitely a QB2-3 in a lot of best ball formats. I just think that he has the best chance to come out and get you a guaranteed 15 to 20 points, whereas some of these other guys could have have a better chance to flop um you know the i guess the jets defense it's so tough to do outlooks on defense yeah, you know you can talk you. about based on last season and, and based on what they did but half of these guys overhauled their entire personnel um you know like the jets got cj mosley a middle linebacker i
1: Quentin Williams or yeah mm-hmm. Quentin Williams yeah. I should say was drafted as well mm-hmm. I, it's interesting I've had the debate with you about Derek Carr right I think he's going to be a fantasy relevant guy mm-hmm. for multiple weeks this isn't one of them not a, not a Monday yeah. night matchup game Denver's the a Broncos. top 10
2: defense as well, right
1: and mm-hmm. I, I'm low on the Broncos I have uh, a Vegas bet out there that they're going to win less than seven games this season I feel pretty certain about that and the more I keep reading about NFL the more people are saying the Broncos are a trendy playoff team and I, I just completely disagree yep. this isn't the match to the tar- target Derek exactly. Carr though I'm really interested though if you are streaming quarterbacks and it's frankly a viable strategy if this guy's out there matthew Stafford at 26 owens rate at yahoo going against a cardinals defense that has patrick peterson suspended for the first couple of weeks of the season that's, a, good that's a really interesting lineup and i imagine there's game scenario wise right i can't picture a defensive battle between either of these teams like if mm-hmm. anything this is going to be a high scoring affair yep. where kyler and matthew are throwing three plus touchdowns
2: yeah well and the other thing is is uh, you know, I do a lot of college basketball and in NBA daily fantasy. One of the key factors is pace, right? Number of possessions yes. per game that drives the entire projections. Now, similar to when Chip Kelly came in with Nick Foles uh, and the Eagles, we expected them to try to run close to seventy plays a game, and I think we're going to see something similar with uh, Arizona. So, where they're going to just run as many plays as they possibly can and approach seventy on a good week. You know, that, that's ideally what they want to do. So, by that logic, the opponent, especially if the defense is weaker because of the Patrick Peterson hit. Uh, someone like Matthew Stafford, who's established, he's got Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones on an offense that's relatively healthy. Someone, An opponent should get a boost just based on pace alone, even if we thought the defense was going to be good there. So Stafford's a good pick, but I still think um, Josh Allen... Might have a little bit of a safer floor. Who knows? Stafford could come out and throw. He have one of his bad games as well. I guess Josh Allen is pretty turnover prone, too. So I'm contradicting myself there. But I just know, Josh Allen, you're going to get 50 rushing yards out of him. And that's that's a good floor to start you off. Um, I guess it depends if you're trying to if you're trying to win like an overall week one points prize or if you're trying to uh, just get someone that's going to get you through week one. And who knows, man, if you drafted Andrew Luck at the start of July, you might be in this situation where you got to pick a guy and you might stream for a while until one of these guys sticks. I feel Feel like Josh Allen has a better chance to stick long-term too. So if you stream him week one and he'll be better over the fantasy season, I, I think I, I give Josh Allen more fantasy points in 2019 than I would Stafford. So that's why he'd be my pick. But if you're if you're going to one and done this, uh, Stafford is a plenty fine stream option.
1: Well, let's talk about the Andrew Luck retirement and what that means. Jacoby Burcet is currently 12% mm-hmm. owned at Yahoo. I'm not sure if we can separate between when the announcement happened and where we are now because obviously he was... Not only have whatsoever. Have been 0%, right, or, yeah. and and now he's at twelve percent. So that, that makes sense. In two QB leagues, I like him quite a bit as a guy that gets drafted. Mm-hmm. And I like him over Josh Allen. I think this week, week one in particular, going against the Chargers defense. I know they're missing Derwin James. People, you aren't understanding the influence that Adrian Phillips, the safety that's coming in, is gonna have. That defense is not gonna be as bad with Derwin James out. Certainly they lose a little bit, but it's not significant mm-hmm. enough. Where I would rather have Matthew Stafford, like I talked about, I would rather have Derek Carr. I, I don't know, I wouldn't have Derek Carr over Jacoby percent but i th- it's it's a, it's not as appealing as you might think with derwin james out still though Bursette in a 2qb league should be owned and i think has yeah. to be significantly higher I mean, than 12% if
2: you're in a 2 quarterback league say 12 teams um i, th- I you could easily warrant spending half of your fab dollars before week 1 on Jacoby Absolutely. Brissett, because you've got a guy that's going to be a starter the rest of the year. And in two quarterback leagues, um, you know, it's not my it's not my favorite format, but I understand uh the you know the reasoning for him, of course. But in two quarterback leagues, you're taking every single starter in the league is getting drafted at auction, and some of the top backups are, you know, you're seeing guys like Dwayne Haskins getting drafted under and Daniel Jones under the presumption that they play some games towards the mm-hmm. end of the year and are able to return some value. So Jacoby Brissett, I think he'll have a good enough year to be worth fifty uh, percent of your fab budget here right off the bat because because especially if uh, if maybe, you know, you passed on quarterbacks in the first couple rounds in one of those leagues, wanted to stack up running back wide receiver, Brissett, could be your missing piece, and in which case I'd say you can go up to 60% because uh, he's a starter and I do like his ceiling over the season. He provides the rushing yards for a floor, he's got some decent weapons, we'll see how he develops, but he'll be an okay guy to own. But week one, I definitely have him well behind Stafford and Allen in my stream rankings here. I mean, uh, even with the uh, secondary issues you talked about, he's going to have Joey Bosa from one side and Melvin Ingram from the other coming after him. Finally, we get a healthy Joey Bosa. And when this front seven is is uh, ready to go here and, and healthy. I think they're one of the best in football and the Chargers are, are set to, again, have a pretty solid defense. So um, I know he's obviously had plenty of NFL tastes before, but week one against this kind of pass rush, I, I'd have a tough time using him as a stream option. But overall, like I said, we want to try to cover as many leagues as possible on this show. And a two quarterback league, you, you bid on him because of his rest of season outlook, not his week one outlook.
1: First round pick, Jerry Tillery, should be healthy as well. So that's an interior pass rusher, at least this season, along with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram for the Char- chargers that's going to make things difficult for Brissette and again they have safety depth they are depth along the corners as well this is not an easy matchup just with Derwin James out and I think people might be having a misconception when it comes to that I would still I think take Brissette over Josh Allen that's more so I, I'm just very low on Josh Allen but you're right mm-hmm. and you said earlier the floor that he gives you rushing is probably safer than anything that you could anticipate with Brissette there is another starter that isn't very much owned and certainly could possibly be owned in a 2QB format. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he was officially named the starter, I think, on Sunday over Josh Rosen. That shouldn't be much of a surprise for anybody following along with the Dolphins. I would be surprised if he's the starter past week four, which is why you're not investing Mm -hmm. a significant fab capital in Fitzpatrick as opposed to That's Mm -hmm. That's the difference. But also, Fitzpatrick plays the Baltimore Ravens defense to start week one, and I think that's going to be a very very difficult. Oh yeah, matchup. In, in, in overall a
2: single QB Patrick. league, in a single QB league, he can be left on the wire because uh you know it's a zero dollar player. You can get him for nothing at any point if you want him. And there has to be a better streamer out there than him week one due to the matchup. I'll give you that. In a two quarterback league, I could see maybe a four to six dollar bid because of the short term utility. Remember last year, everyone thought Tampa Bay was just going to be the worst team in the league by a mile, and he came out and absolutely lit it up. Now he doesn't have nearly the caliber of weapons. Doesn't really have a tight end worth writing home about. Uh, obviously they got rid of Kenny Stills there's a, a couple of okay backs and Devontae Parker's their best receiver who's largely unproven Albert Wilson's around uh it would be a lot I'd be a lot more surprised if uh, the Harvard man here could figure it out for the first couple weeks like he did last year but uh you're right he's got a couple of weeks of utility which makes him worth a small bid in two quarterback league if he wasn't taken already he, you know we just mentioned him because he is a name people recognize new change of scenery and of course he won the starting job which wasn't necessarily a guaranteed two right. months ago
1: there, there's two ways to think of this, right? They're playing a Ravens defense, a Ravens team overall that you imagine is going to run rough shot over the, the, the Dolphins, right? Like that the very obvious difference in talent uh, team overall. So maybe he's throwing from behind often and then maybe get some junk time stats. Their first four opponents, the Ravens, Patriots, Cowboys, Chargers. I would be surprised if any of those four teams aren't favored by 10 or more points in any of those games those
2: are some defenses that's
1: why okay great you pick up Ryan Fitzpatrick in a two QB league and you might use him but I don't know how much you like I don't know how much uh, stats are actually going to get out of them that's where the concern lies with Mm -hmm. how great those first four opponents are
2: yeah but I mean if you took Andrew Luck in a two quarterback league in early July you're searching for somebody to play and you need a starter and he's going to be someone that's probably available on the waiver wire yeah I I, I get that you have to temper your expectations I'm not again there's zero (laughs) zero percent utility in a streaming league but right. we're trying to cater to all sorts of leagues so uh i, I don't know he's just I don't worth know a mention we can do I've quick had. hitters on the two qb guys uh <laughs> for the rest of the show here we can just go this guy this guy this guy are starting but they're gonna be trash move on here but there's there's some interesting running backs let's move on to that eventually you're
1: here. right well let's before we get to the running backs uh let's get a word from our sponsors fantasy draft here's one million rake free fantasy reasons to play on fantasy draft fantasy draft is kicking off the 2019 nfl season in a big way with the one million dollars hooters kickoff this guaranteed content just twenty dollars to enter, with the top ten thousand finishers winning cash prizes. And like all contests on Fantasy Draft, it's rake free. That means one hundred percent of entry fees are paid to contest winners. Rake free contests on Fantasy Draft are a game changer. No longer will you lose thirty percent of your bankroll just to rank, just to rake. Join Fantasy Draft today and experience rake free daily fantasy for yourself. And register at FantasyDraft.com today and use promo code RWNFL to take part in the rake free revolution. That's FantasyDraft.com and use promo code RWNFL. Here the running backs are makes more sense, right? It, it, like Kalen Bilodeau, Justin Jackson, Justice Hill, all guys under fifty percent ownership rate on Yahoo. That could make a compelling case maybe more than the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Is there any one of the those three at least Justin Jackson, Justice Hill, or Kalen Bilodeau that you like more so than anybody else, or is mm-hmm. there anyone you really want to touch on first? Because I think it's important to get to really all three mm-hmm. of those
2: guys. Yeah, all three of these guys have some utility. I mean, Balaj is the one that's most likely to be owned already, especially with uh, late drafts. You, you know, uh, Kenyon Drake dealt with that foot injury, which led to Balaj getting a lot of first. Team reps and him shooting up a lot of draft boards. He's now up to forty nine percent owned on Yahoo, so chances are, if you're in a format where he's available, he might not even be worth picking up. Uh, but nonetheless, that's interesting. But uh, he actually has a path, you know, if Drake aggravates his foot injury, or uh, you know, again, it's this is this is the starting running back on a tanking team with a bad Week One matchup here. So even if Belage say in a best case scenario carried the ball 15 times in Week One, which we don't think is going to happen, RotoWire has Belage ranked at 45 in the Week One rankings and Kenyon Drake at 20. Twenty-eight. I think maybe they should be a little closer together, but uh, but nonetheless, uh, he's a guy that. Is, is worth owning just because there's a path to a starting job, but you mentioned that murderer's row of weeks one through four schedule, so that's going to be a tough one. Um, the one that is more available, Justin Jackson at 33%. That's
1: the one I like too. Yeah,
2: that's the one that I think that uh, needs to be worth targeting the most because again, he's been left on the waiver wire, a- Eckler's ADP has been shooting up, but Justin Jackson still hasn't even quite made it into the 12th, 14th round um, as a guy that could get up a lot of carries. I just don't see, we've, we've touched on this before on the show, so we don't need to go and do uh, too in depth into this but I don't see you know Eckler suddenly being a lead workhorse back you know he kind of he serves a similar role as he does with Gordon around and then there's maybe 10 or so touches for Justin Jackson here in between so he'd be the guy I think out of this group that's worth owning the most and even in a 12 teamer I did last night I'm pretty sure he was left on the waiver wire or he'll be left on the waiver wire so there's going to be some utility uh in in, in picking him up Justin Hill for me is more of a stash candidate he's only 29 percent owned but he definitely got a boost in value because of Ken Dixon he's getting released on an injury Injury settlement, one less guy to go through in Baltimore. Again, you can't have any week one expectations for someone like Hill. Heck, he could end up being inactive with Ingram and Edwards, but uh, Hill would be an interesting stash candidate if you've got the open roster spot.
1: Yeah, I'm interested in particularly about Justin Jackson. I think Justice Hill, though, like you were talking about, ends up having a defined role. And that's why he's at already 30% ownership right? Because he's going to be a defined role as a pass catching back with the main competition for that role, Kenneth Dixon now being released. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting. And he could fill in as a main carry guy. If Mel or if Mark Ingram were to get hurt, I don't know if he's worthy of a roster spot 3% less than Justin Jackson though, who very clearly is going to be getting mm-hmm. 10 to 15 carries per game. And I, I don't think it's said enough. We've talked about it already, mm-hmm. but I, again, for whatever the reason, Austin Eckler is not going to be the guy that gets all of the carries. It's Justin Jackson that exactly. also gets in there as well, whereas mm-hmm. Justice Hill maybe gets five catches, and that's it mm-hmm. for the game. Okay,
2: so so two scenarios for you. Your, your RB2 or your flexible roster spot is weak. Then obviously your bid goes to Justin Jackson because he's yeah. someone that you might actually need. Uh, scenario two, your two running backs are studs, and you've got another guy in your flex that you feel real good about, but you've got another position of dead weight. Um, go ahead and swap that last bench spot with Justin Jackson. But We'll stress this over and over again. Throughout the year, uh, you don't necessarily have to have an area of need on your team to be active on the waiver wire. The best ownerships are, or the best owners are going to be making their roster the best possible every week from top to bottom, whether it costs you fab dollars or you just throw out a couple zero dollar bids just to see if you can catch one of these guys. And Hill is definitely worthy of a spot if you can afford it. Now, some leagues get pretty tight with the bench spots, yep. and uh, that, can, that can be difficult if you guys not producing for you right away. But I think Hill's a guy that, you know, weeks nine through 16
1: could have some utility. Some zero to one dollar bids, at least pre-planning, right? Dare Gumuale, the three down the third down specialist for the Buccaneers and who's compared to all the other Buccaneers running backs, actually feels like he has the most defined role on the team. Mm-hmm. And then Malcolm Brown kind of a similar situation where he's a pretty defined backup for the Rams right now. I think Daryl Henderson has a lot of utility even alongside Mm -hmm. Todd Gurley, but for the most part, these are guys that you can at least get early now, both under 10% owned rate on Yahoo. Mm -hmm. That actually makes some compelling sense if you're in a
2: deeper roster kind of league. Absolutely. I mean, Ogumu Wally was drafted in my 12-team league uh, last night, but uh, I mean, full disclosure here, it's a Wisconsin league, and he's a Wisconsin Badger, so that's a name people are going to know, but he's also one that's been getting a decent amount of hype. I mean, he's 6% owned when a month ago you weren't even thinking about drafting and he wasn't on any draft boards uh, we know from his days at Wisconsin that he's excellent in the screen game and I assume that that would be a similar role for him as well third, I mean defense has got to have the book all right third and long a goomba wallace and screen screen you know right. watch watch for that but that's a, a possible role for him and we know his hands are good and that he's capable um, so he's an interesting player uh, of course everyone tries to rec, uh, tries to find the David Johnson type role uh, I still think maybe Ronald Jones can fit into that eventually here but in if the pass catching suffers or if there's any issues with the Hands of umbuwale has a play. A um, couple more one dollar players that we can throw out there. Obviously, uh Ito Smith. He's a backup. He's only twenty one percent owned on Yahoo. He's backup to a back that you know some would call injury prone. And Devontae Freeman. There's no Tevin Coleman in Atlanta there, so Ito Smith has a has a clear path. And of course, if you're not a Todd Gurley believer like I am, Malcolm Brown's only eight percent owned. He was a one dollar player in a lot of my auctions, and I took him. I, I've got so much Malcolm Brown at the end. It's just you know, and he could very well be a guy I cut after a couple of weeks and right. curly comes out and looks good, but I just I, again, I'm, I'm having a hard time believing that, and uh, a $1 or a $0 bid on Malcolm Brown is better than carrying dead weight on your bench.
1: I'll be curious, and I didn't look, and I should have, what's Adrian Peterson's own rate on Yahoo Leagues right now? Because he's a guy that, compared to Justin Jackson, I would much rather have Justin Jackson. I'd rather have Malcolm Brown than Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. I would certainly have Hill and Ido Smith over Adrian Peterson. I think even Ngubawale, mm-hmm. I would rather have two. Yeah. I mean, Adrian curious. Peterson's
2: 54% owned, nah, so he didn't even make our list. Everybody's insane. drafting him at the end of the rounds because they think, ooh, it's It's Adrian Peterson. I better get myself some. This guy's is injury prone. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so what I'm saying is, uh, yeah. So he's getting picked in a lot of drafts, but I don't know what you can really expect from him in week one. So uh, I could, if you need, if you're actually counting on production in week one, I could easily see making a Peterson for Justin Jackson swap.
1: Yeah, and that's that's where the only time where it makes sense, where you're looking for production. Well, no, not, not that it makes sense. Justin Jackson's going to give you week one production. Maybe if you're trying to win the league and you're assuming Gary, Darius Geist is going to get hurt, you can have Adrian Pierce on your roster. I just don't know how long you'd want to have a wasted roster spot like Peterson because as we just learned from Jay Gruden's quote, it seems like Darius Guy is going to be the guy. and it, Pretty much. Pre, like the guy that like gets 20, 25 First, carries. second, yeah,
2: maybe third downs, <laughs> pretty much so.
1: The receiver position was the one I found most interesting when we were reviewing the under 50% mm-hmm. onage rate on Yahoo. There are some pretty noticeable names and guys that I've been really high on, mm-hmm. Tyrell Williams, Devin Funches, Marquise Brown, that are in that 30% to 40% mm-hmm. rate. Um,
2: I've been racking surprising. my brain to try to explain this, and here's why I think that there's so many guys that are in our threshold. The default Yahoo format is a two-wide receiver league, mm. whereas uh, a lot of... Um, a lot of leagues have evolved to adding that third wide receiver position that's almost i think that's almost the mainstay or the, or the more common in fantasy to have three wide receivers even in our zero ppr stake league 14 teams we have three wide receivers right. and a flex so um i think that the fact that you know you have a lot of 10 12 teams a lot of teams that are maybe auto drafting a second kicker or a defense and the fact that the default is two starting wide receivers so it doesn't necessarily make you draft from this tier even though all of these guys got drafted in my 12 teamer last night Part of the reasons, because I, I let us have seven bench spots, so I can I can shut up anyone asking for an IR spot. Um, <laughs> but but anyway, that's the explanation to why these guys.
1: That's are all theory. out there.
2: Um, I mean, Jameson Crowder, 46% owned. I think he should be drafted in any 12-teamer. Anthony Miller, 45% should be drafted in any 12-teamer. I could understand Golden Tate, only 41% owned um, because he's suspended. He's got that four-game suspension to begin uh, the season. Uh, I did still take Golden Tate as a $1 player in a 12-team auction uh, the other day. I don't have any other shares really, but I think for a $1 guy, that could turn into someone having a role there. I'd like him. I mean, if you're looking for a stash candidate in this, then I'd be, um, then I'd be all over Golden Tate. If you need someone that you actually need receptions or productions from, then I'd probably lean more towards a, a Crowder or or even, even a James Washington. I think he'll he'll be a good season. I, I In my personal rankings, uh, I'll put uh, James Washington ahead of Moncrief, but that's not the way that it's going in drafts here, so I'd be looking to, to pick up and stash James uh, Washington. Otherwise, Marquise Mar- Mar- Brown, 31% from the Ravens. That's a rookie I like as well and was getting late in a lot of drafts, so uh, he, I try to catch him as a one dollar player and i usually got sniped for two dollars in there so these are all players that are worth owning here um and you know shouldn't be left on your wire it's worth a look
1: didn't we learn our lesson last year with the anthony miller hype i don't understand mm-hmm. why he's at 45 percent owned rate over a guy like golden tate who once he comes back after mm-hmm. his four game suspension probably is going to be a huge focal point and tyrell williams who i continue to keep hitting the table on is going to be a guy that gets you 60 catches and over 700 receiving yards whereas anthony miller mm-hmm. I mean, he played not all the games, but he had one game that basically accounted for half his total yards. He had 122 receiving yards and like five or six catches against the Lions in a week – Meaningless game in like middle of the season, mm-hmm. which is unfair to say meaningless for the Lions, but it was. I, I just don't understand why we're we're up in arms about that one. Mm-hmm. Crowder, I get the PPR appeal. Devin Funches, James Washington, Marquise Brown, all guys that are under ownage on Anthony Miller that significantly should be higher valued.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean we've got a second round pick with a decent draft pedigree here. Uh, someone who is no longer listed on the injury report. I think he's starting to move up a lot of draft boards. People would rather take him than say take a backup tight end trey burton in that i think i ended up in a league i ended up taking robinson miller and mitch trubisky as my backup quarterback i that's the one where i finally got my first baker mayfield share last night i was actually pretty happy about that um but anyway uh maybe he'll be a drop candidate eventually he's he's largely unproven but i think people are chasing upside here and that's what um and that's what you really want to do with your bench for the most part uh again you can't throw him out there and expect a ton of week one production production but uh You know, as far as someone that could develop into uh, a, a more complete NFL player with the opportunity to do so. I mean, he had an excellent touchdown, right? He had scored seven times last year. So who knows? Maybe he gets better this year. He's worth occupying a bench spot. Um, I guess. He's stashing in a similar light as Tate. But again, if you need production, I think you're right. Maybe I'd go more towards the Jameson Crowder, Ty Will Williams, James Washington types because if you need that wide receiver, three-year low and flex production, they'd be the guys I'd go after.
1: They're not sexy names. I get it. But I Mm -hmm. I just feel more confident about the production that they're going to do week in and week out than I do Anthony Miller. One guy I also feel pretty confident is going to have some sort of production, but I don't know if others do. Is Kenny Stills, Mm -hmm. obviously now the recently acquired Texans wide receiver. It's difficult to imagine a scenario when all four of those guys, DeAndre Hopkins, Wilford, Kiki Kuti, and Stills, if Stills is actually going to have a lot of production. Mm -hmm. But we've seen QT already getting hurt. Uh, Will Fuller has a little bit of history of significant injuries in this past two seasons. It's possible that if Stills becomes the number two guy, that's somebody I'd much rather waste a roster spot on than Adrian Peterson for an Mm -hmm. injury to inevitably occur, right? Like, that's way more lucrative.
2: I mean, at this point, uh, and these guys are roughly similar, I'd rather take Golden Tate as a stash candidate than Kenny Stills, because Mm. uh, you know, at at first I I read the headline, oh, Kenny Stills getting traded. Okay, good. Maybe he can finally be good somewhere, and then you're right. see the circumstances he needs so many things to kind of fall into place to even become a starter uh in the first place and yeah i suppose you know yeah we'll fill it with the knee injury history deandre hopkins has been you know, he's been a pretty consistent stud and they obviously like what they have in qt um 30% owned actually surprised me. I expected him to be less because my expectations are pretty low here. Now we know that receivers can come in and pick up the offense. You know, you have to ask the question, is he Amari Cooper from last year that Im- immediately stepped in and contributed? Or is he Golden Tate that didn't really work out with his new offensive scheme? Um, that's a question you have to ask too, but I'd rather not ask that question. I think I, I, I don't have a ton of interest. I'm just going to be proud of the couple, uh, Devontae Parker shares I look, I lucked into and, uh, I'm not really going to look back from there.
1: See, I'm surprised he's not higher than 30%, which is different. So you thought he was going to be lower than that. And when I saw that 30%, I'm like, wow, I thought it'd be more I was, like 40 I was like, okay, or 50? He
2: changed teams and he's got a ton of competition now. And he's not on a team that's going to be so horrible that they're going to pass the whole second half. So I, a lot of factors stacking against him. He doesn't do a whole lot for me. Maybe he's a watch list guy. You know, you, a lot of leagues have that little flag icon where yeah. you can kind of or set up alerts for guys on your watch list to see if the circumstances change. But I think I'm rather going to let somebody else waste a roster spot on him for now.
1: Is there any deep Wide receivers under, like maybe 20% owned, that you are mm-hmm. interested in acquiring or surprised that they are as low owned as they possibly are?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's not, it's not an exciting name, but I think you have to touch back on Jerron Brown just because he's someone that, between you know early summer and now, early to mid summer, even and now, has had his status change quite a bit. You've got DK Metcalf dealing with a knee injury, uh, David Moore dealing with a shoulder injury. I was originally on Moore thinking, okay, maybe he'll get that uh, number two wide receiver job and uh, and have a role in that offense, but essentially, that role is going to Jerron Brown. Now, I think in a PPR format, you can maybe get three four catches from him out of a week and, and see what happens. So, And he's someone that could, of course, maybe prove himself and continue uh, to get going there. So he's the first name that came to mind. But you have a few more here, and uh, at least one of them I agree with you on.
1: Yeah, I don't know why... I'd- we're trying to get the second receiver for the Seahawks. Like that, just doesn't feel like it's a valuable spot overall in fantasy. But mm-hmm. everyone's targeting more, and then they're on Brown. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm surprised that Mikael Harbin, in particular, is under 16 percent owned.
2: Mm-hmm. You wrote two guys down, and that's the one I like.
1: That's like talent wise. Like Nikhil Harry is my other one. He's at 15 percent owned right now. I get it, injuries. Josh Gordon coming back. I'm not going and getting more shares of Harry, but I'm also not cutting the ones that I do have currently. But I will go and gladly acquire 16 percent shares of Mikael Harbin at this time right now. Mm-hmm. Like. Get me every bit of that I understand Tyreek Hill is back I get Travis Kelsey Patrick Mahomes and all these other guys that the Chiefs offense have more than likely Harbin doesn't pan out but man, if the situations break break for him, how about a guy with 4, four, four three, three speed who's in an offense that can actually utilize the talent that he has and also did very well in college too? Like, well, mm-hmm. what more do you need to see to be convinced that this guy could be a player if he gets into the right situation? Mm-hmm. Well, that's why we're talking yeah. about these players, if they get I, in the right I, situation. I, I,
2: yeah, the only concern with him is maybe that he's just a much better athlete than he is a football player, but I think he can work into that role. And out of all these guys that are under 20%, he's the guy that I'd feel pretty good about wasting a bench spot on for the, you know, eventual scenario and Sammy Watkins probably gets hurt or something like that and you know he's got that explosive breakaway speed and Andy Reid I'm just confident he'll find a way to use him so he's one of my favorite sleepy kind of rookies in the wide receiver class that's not getting a ton of attention but uh I have to commend my league mates over the weekend you know he was always getting drafted as a one two dollar player or late in the rounds you know I was looking to snake him maybe but uh uh, I got sniped on him a couple times when I was waiting for the last pick of the round so you might want to might want to go one or two rounds earlier if you want to get a share
1: I'm not saying he's going to be the Derrick Henry of the fantasy playoffs last year, But I would not be at all surprised if Hardman ends up beating out Sammy Watkins by the end of the year and is mm-hmm. just outright starting over Watkins. He's going to be a otherwise. huge
2: best ball guy. I think he's oh, going to help. Yeah. He's going to carry some people. You know, you're going to have to put up with some crappy weeks probably, which makes it a little tougher to stomach in season long. But there's going to be a couple uh, kind of Tyreek Hill type weeks, especially if Hill gets bottled up. Then they find another super fast explosive guy to take the top off the defense. <laughs> you know, as long as his right. hands can, can reel it in there, um, there's going to be some good games from him. So I do like him.
1: The tight end position is actually kind of interesting, Uh, and and there are some more players than I thought that would be eligible for this conversation, at least prior to the start of Week 1. Let's get to the tight ends first, though, after a word from our sponsors, Fantasy Football Evolution. They're back for 2019 and better than ever. You spoke and we listened. We've had mock drafting, moved the championship final to NFL Week 16, and made setting up a private competition a snap. Join FFE and play the game you love as it was meant to be played. FFE's unique three-stage format delivers the best of season-long fantasy football without the never-ending drafts or late-season absentee owner and waiver wire antics that can develop in traditional leagues play as an individual or be the commissioner of your own private league you'll get 16 weeks of action for just 25 dollars. you could be the next ffe twenty five thousand dollar champion by maximizing your chances and owning multiple teams optional auto draft and lineup assist can also help manage them with ease it's all right there and absolutely easy to use what are you waiting for register at fantasyfootballevolution.com and join the evolution availability varies by state visit fantasyfootballevolution.com for details all right a tight end spot i was super high on jordan thompson i think we actually spent at least some portion of a previous podcast talking about the texans tight end and how that could be a lucrative spot well he was placed on ir on sunday meaning jordan atkin the zero percent owned tight end and yahoo currently formats might be somebody that's relevant at least somebody that you should be considering picking up at this point before he ends mm-hmm. up having a five catch yeah. touchdown kind of day mm-hmm.
2: yeah i mean people had jordan thomas as maybe kind of a sleepy guy they still have logan paulson darren fells on the roster but uh yeah this is one that's changed over the course of draft season he's he's climbed up rankings i almost thought about i took kelsey in the very first round of my draft last night and i never even touched a backup tight end i almost thought about him because he's exactly what you want a bench spot player you know a guy that doesn't have a lot of guaranteed potential right away, but could turn into something. At 6'4, 243, he brings the Texans a decent body in the red zone. He did play in all 16 games last year, only targeted 25 times, but uh, and, and failed to score a touchdown. Didn't get, I don't believe he got a single red zone. Ah, he got a couple of targets inside the 20s. So, you know, he got a couple of targets there. The advanced metrics don't really love him a ton, but uh, he's a guy that could continue to maybe take another step. And now that he's number one in the depth chart, you know, could maybe do something there. So especially in your deep, deep leagues or your two tight end leagues, he'd be a perfect guy for a two tight end league to go ahead and snatch up right away just to, and, and hope that uh, there's some kind of upside there, especially if you use Jordan Thomas in a two tight end league, or right. if you're not sure if you can count on Jordan Reed in a two tight end league, or if you thought, or if you drafted E. Brown and Doyle thinking you were going to be able to count on them in any capacity in your two tight end league, go ahead and grab Aiken. Uh, I think he'd be a guy for that specific format, uh, in particular, but, you know, 27-year-old guy, it's his second year in the league only. Who knows? Maybe, maybe something could happen from this.
1: Darren Waller is another name I was interested in, and he's at currently 23% owned in Yahoo Leagues. Mm-hmm.
2: I think I that's was, solely because of Hard Knocks, right? Yeah, hard He'd knocks be a 5% or, guy if, if, it, uh, if it weren't for Hard Knocks.
1: Hard Knocks or Matthew Barry, who has been on. Matthew Barry is on mm-hmm. Darren Waller now for since the beginning of – march it felt like as a guy that could and certainly he has the size and the speed and jared cook we saw end up being a top five fantasy tight end last year as the main receiving option for the raiders mm-hmm. it's entirely possible waller fits that role and i don't i don't know why you wouldn't waste a roster spot in the scenarios that you described if you had ebron or jordan reed uh or mm-hmm. someone else like that that you're kind of depending on as a tight end too waller makes a lot of sense as well as you could possibly pick up and, and strike gold with
2: yeah, yeah, I guess I guess he's interesting. He doesn't have much of a sample size to really determine uh, you know, what he can do. He always used with Baltimore last year, which has historically had pretty crowded tight ends. 2017, it looks like he was out of the league. Um, I don't know. There, there there's some interest here, but I do think that the the whole the Barry and the um and the Hard Knocks have hyped him up a little bit too much and we if Man, he's 6'6", 255. God, I guess this could get interesting for me here, but, uh, again, I'm not crazy aggressive. Would you
1: rather it. have Waller over a guy like Tyler Eifert, who is going to be the sole pass catcher for the Bengals and at least appears to be healthy week one? We don't know about week two, but mm-hmm. week that's one is exactly, healthy.
2: That's exactly how I put it on our outline. I was like, whoa, well, Tyler Eifert made it to the regular season without managing to hurt himself. Nobody drafted him in any drafts because they just figured, oh, he's going to hurt himself, but he's healthy now. Maybe he only makes it a couple weeks, but I think – I." Oh man, you get you have system, you have same quarterback there's at least some familiarity. there's no AJ green you're expecting probably for that week one. Tyler Boyd's not your uh stereotypical red zone candidate. I think you know, let's say season long I'll take Waller because uh I find him less likely to break. But uh, week one, I'd probably go with Eifert.
1: And DFS Eifert actually makes a little bit of an intriguing play. I guess I'd have to look what the Bengals mm-hmm. schedule is. And, and yeah, feel definitely more GPPs for sure. Yeah, I, I feel like that's not the worst case scenario, but I'm I'm completely out on Eifert. I, he, he's healthy now, right? Mm-hmm. But I put that word healthy in, in quotes because – how many serious injuries he's had over the past three, four, five seasons? I don't know if anyone can truly mm-hmm. be healthy. We literally saw that come to fruition with Andrew Luck. You can't tell me that Tyler Eifert is not experiencing something similar to what Luck was talking about, and that was the reason why he retired. I, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I think that's completely worthless pick. Even though. I get his situation in the Bengals' offense that it really only has Tyler Boyd as a relevant asset from the receiving game.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, Joe Mixon will catch his fair share of passes. but uh, And Giovanni so Bernard,
1: too, who yeah. just got a two-year contract extension, yeah. too, today. Yeah,
2: that's fair. I mean, Tyler Eifert's only 28, and I can see the frustrations very much. I mean, in the last three seasons, he's played a combined 14 games uh so that's obviously concerning and CJ Ozoma's around. I think maybe they find a way to reduce his snapshore a little bit, but when it comes time to be in the red zone, I, I have a feeling that they're gonna go to him and he has just as good of a chance as a Waller to catch a touchdown in any given week that he plays. Yes,
1: yeah, that's true. Well, that does it for us on the Tuesday edition of the NFL RotoWire podcast. Obviously, this is going to be something we do continuously now for the rest of the season, kind of breaking down some guys we could pick up mm-hmm. uh, following Monday's, Sundays, and Mondays games, and then kind of going over some of the owners' present. Right? Did you want to mm-hmm. give a sign off before we? Yeah,
2: yeah. So uh, we'll do uh, we'll do like a little Monday night football recap at the beginning because this is uh this is a Tuesday morning show. I can't wait until we actually have Monday night action yes. to recap because uh, I don't know if Jeff and Chris will be able to get to that on the Monday show. So we'll talk about a little Monday night football if there's any implications there, and then we'll just dive right into um, to the players and, and, and go by position and we're going to try to help you guys in as many leagues as possible there's so many ways to play fantasy football this year so we want to try to touch on two quarterback touch on two tight end leagues touch on guys you might be looking for in 16 18 18- 20 20 teamers um, but also hit the classic and the key guys we want to make sure that every name worth covering is covered so uh, hopefully we can help you out this season I love doing this podcast personally because it helps me makes me stay diligent on the wire in my own leagues I know every name too and I mean hey it's an hour of your Tuesday we'll have it out by the Tuesday East Coast commute for you and uh, that's the biggest part I mean drafts are the first step here but the, the waiver wire is the next most important thing when it comes to winning fantasy leagues and hopefully we can help you out and of course if you miss anybody or have an ad drop question we want to do drop candidates as well uh, in a particular week. But if you miss anyone, feel free to get after me on Twitter at RotoJ. Yeah. And you can
1: follow me at JB
2: Fantasy Sports. Until then, thanks for listening.